All right, everybody, welcome in. We are Hacked History. Well, we are not Hacked History, but this podcast is Hacked History. And, We're just uh, some morons who talk about it. Yeah. Morons? Hey. You speak for yourself. Yeah, I know. I'm I a am. a highly educated man. Well, four I'm years in college. I'm sorry you're stupid. <laughs> oh, oh, oh my God. <laughs> I'm sure your parents didn't love you. So you one thing, I would definitely not have to break into the, uh, ha- your campaign headquarters to beat you in an election. <laughs> you're right, because I wouldn't be stupid enough to leave them there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. We are looking at episode number nine right now, staring yeah. right in the face. And let me tell you, it's an ugly beast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, this oh, week we a long one, too. This week we're talking about Richard Milhouse Nixon. <laughs> That's right. The man, the myth, the Milhouse. RMN, as some people have never called him until just now. <laughs> what did you say? RMN. Oh, I was going to say, could you like wheeze halfway through that? Like you like, RMN. <laughs> what what did you say? I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm sorry oh, I'm okay. asthmatic. At least I'm not stupid like you. <laughs> Jeez. Don't put our, ourselves up to a bad joke and frown. You're just like, wow, look, take a look at this moron. <laughs> what what motion did you <laughs> Alright everybody, uh, just, just as a reminder, okay. you can find us uh, online on various amount of places. I actually did my job last week, so if you search Hat History on Facebook, you're going to find us there. There's a podcast page, so please, 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 if you like this show, go out there and like it. Uh, it'd be awesome to see the support, and you can also contact us there. There's a message button, and uh, I'll probably be the one responding, but uh, if the question is to Jake... Uh, unfortunately for Jake, I have ways to contact him, so... Unfortunately, <laughs> I can... So send all of your angry emails to me. There's no way of saying if I'll listen to them or read them. So that's the that's the joy of electronic mail. I can just see it and see the uh, all caps well, subheading, and I'll just say no. Tell you what, if he doesn't read them, I'm going to start... Sending him mass emails. <laughs> me I'm gonna infect your computer with a program that's gonna make you. And you them. seem like the kind of person who would be capable of doing that. <laughs> Don't mess with the tech guy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no. The person we would want would be Mike, who's a. But, Mike I, would be but I also know Mike, so you yeah. know, I have ways to contact him too. Alright. Anyway, <laughs> well, after that thinly veiled threat can, for no reason you at can all. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, tune in. A lot of other places. If if podcasts are there, good chance we're there. Oh, I forgot to mention our Apple Podcasts, of course. So if you want to find us anywhere uh, that has a podcast, chances are we're there. Um, so with that, uh, introductions are over. Oh, also if you want to directly email us, uh, again, once again, our email address is hackedhistory101 at gmail.com. With that being said, Jake, let's jump right into it. Let's go. Yay. All right. So I have a lot of thanks to Wikipedia and the actual Watergate website for most of his bio. The Watergate Hotel? Wikipedia. Yeah, literally. <laughs> nice. Water. The Wikipedia one helped me with the first part, and the Watergate one helps me with the later part of his like political career. So let's just kick it right off, because... Woo! All right. It's hotter than hell in this in this room as we're trying to record, so we're currently sweating our collective shit. Um, Not sweating as much as Richard Nixon was after Watergate got broken. Or after That's the 1960 election. <laughs> That's a joke only I will get. All right. Anyway, um, annoying shit aside, um, the man that we would refer to as Nixon is born Richard Milhouse Nixon, spelled Milhouse, M-I-L. Man! God damn it. <laughs> And then we're like, why the fuck can't we get on with it already? <laughs> Most of the time... Mailhouse, 
spelled M I L H O U S, which is just I I sh- I literally fucked that up like three or four times. Cause I'm like Milhouse, right? No, <laughs> not the character from The Simpsons. That's not who we're talking about. No, but close. Granted, that that's probably where they got the name. Probably. <laughs> anyway, he's born on the 9th of January, 1913, in Yorba Linda, California, which sounds Yorba like a made-up place. Your Belinda, which... It sounds like you're calling someone Belinda. I... Your Belinda! <laughs> no, it's just the town I'm from. What an aggressive way to... Your Belinda! Don't you lie to me! <laughs> okay. My name is just Linda. No, you're Belinda! Okay. Anyway, uh, just like your crazy neighbor. Anyway, so Richard would be part of a family of four brothers. Harold, who lived from 1909 to 1933. Side note, All right, well, fucking... God damn it. How, how great would it be if Joseph McCarthy was from... You're a commie, Wisconsin! <laughs> I actually think it's a real town somewhere. <laughs> Yurikami! Somewhere up in Northwoods where we forget about everybody who goes up there. He's from Yurikami. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> God. So it's, he's a family of four brothers. Harold, who lives from 1909 to 1933. Donald, who lives from 1914 to 1987. Arthur, from 1918 to 1925. God, that guy had a really short lifespan. And Edward, who lived from 1930 to 2019. Uh, Richard would be born to the parents... Hannah, middle name Millhouse Nixon, and Francis A. Nixon. Uh, through A stood for asshole. Exactly. <laughs> A stood for eating ass. Oh. And taking names? <laughs> I guess. If you want to run that way, millennials backlog to all the times you may or may not have done that. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Was it awkward? Good. Anyway. <laughs> I'm not gonna belittle the people who've eaten ass out there. Good for them. I'm not make. I'm not belittling them either. I'm saying, am I making it awkward? Yes, that's my aim. Good job. All right. <laughs> I like the long pause, folk with the unfocused staring of. Great. <laughs> anyway, you're like the guy from Trailer Park Boys, <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. Okay. You know what that is? No, nope, not a good Okay, you'll have to research that. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. I'll let you explore it on your own organically. Uh, so, a nice little side note is that uh, on Nixon's mother's bloodline, Richard was... the or Yeah. On his mother's bloodline. Yeah. According to them, Richard, was Richard Nixon, was actually considered to be a descendant of the early English settler Thomas Cornell. Ancestor of Erza Cornell. What would we know the last name Cornell for? Cornell? Yeah. Like the college? Yes. <laughs> According to... And I literally did research on this too. I had... I like, you can't be fucking serious about this. And I'm like, no way in hell. I researched. It absolutely is true. Apparently, according to some whack-ass fucking like bloodline situation, Richard Nixon and I'm pretty sure a number of other prominent politicians, I'm pretty sure Bill Clinton falls under that category, all were somehow related to this guy with the, la- with the Cornell who apparently founded the university. So this I, Cornell dude I've was got, putting it in. I've got two words for you. Left, or swipe right? No. Oh. Illuminati confirmed. All right. Well, <laughs> all right, guys. This is what we're really here for. The aliens Let's are talk here. talk about the snake people. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I've been, okay, so I'm going to shut out this podcast. I don't know if they're still doing it. And we're not sponsored, but I, I listened to something called Chilluminati, which was, uh, it is a podcast of, like, three dudes, one of which is a skeptic, two of which are kind of believers in, like, the supernatural shit. Every time they bring up aliens, they always have the 
craziest shit. And now I'm a skeptic myself, so I usually side with one guy's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Sort of reaction. I just love being and listening to part of that. So another shout out to a podcast that I know is still going on that talks about stuff like that. Uh, the last house on the left. Last podcast on the left. Yeah, last podcast on the left. Last, last house, house on the left, left is a book. It's and, and a movie, I believe. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's the podcast. The Shows podcast you what we know. One of us said book and one of us said movie. Also, shout out to one of the hosts on that show who's from Stevens Point, Wisconsin, Ben Kissel. Hey. So shout out to them. Anyway, let's, to get, let's get back to Tricky Dick. Anyway, <laughs> Richard and his Tricky Dick. Anyway, um, Nixon's early upbringing was marked by a like huge evangelical slash Quaker observance. So for him, that meant he was raised to basically refrain from alcohol, dancing, and swearing. And this would pretty much form his personality as he goes into being an adult. So, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Anyway, Richard's early life was marked by hardship. Uh, He actually quoted saying, We were poor, but the glory of it was we didn't know it. He actually took that from Eisenhower. So, you know, nicely done. But uh, basically what that meant was that his hardship that also formed his general adult personality was that the family ranch closed out in 22, 1922, and the family moved to a place called Whittier, California, where a bunch of other Quakers lived. In that area, Frank Nixon, his father, opened a grocery and store and a gas station, and Richard, at that point in time, started attending what was now East Whittier Elementary School where he was president of his eighth grade class, so already he's like moving into that sort of leadership role. And then he later moved to the larger Fullerton Union High School after his parents, and this one's just fucking weird. His parents formed the belief that his older brother, Harold, had developed a dissolute lifestyle as a result of this school. Therefore, like any logical parent, just be, and literally then after that, Harold apparently gets tuberculosis, so he's just, it's just fucking playing aces for that guy. But apparently then they're like, you know what, we'll move him. Uh, anyway, while he's at Fullerton, Richard receives excellent grades. He played junior varsity football religiously, even though he actually never got a chance to play play. He was always about practicing. They just never called him up. And his greatest success was as a debater. And he actually would win a number of championships, taking his only formal tutelage in public speaking from his mentor, H. Lynn Scheller. Okay, but did he steal those notes before? Did he steal his opposing speaker's notes? He did not in this case. I don't think he figured that out. But maybe he did. Maybe maybe we'll, like, maybe midway through we'll get a Reddit thread going, and all of a sudden they'll be like, I have, like, Pentagon Papers level Photoshop papers of his eighth grade class where it's him in, a, like, a grainy black and white picture. Of, like, he's got, like, a fucking ski mask on as he's kicking open the door to an English teacher's room. Ah, oh, it's funny that you, uh... <laughs> it's funny that you say that because, uh, I know exactly what you're gonna say. Are you you're morphing into the bug guy from Men in Black now? Sugar. Uh, that's kind of what it sounds like. <laughs> It's, it's like a mixture of like Harry Carey and the bug guy. <laughs> Harry Carey's baseball and the dude who does using her sausage for the Brewers radio. You know what? Don't give my Nixon accent shit. Stop I'm not giving that. your Nixon accent shit. <laughs> not a crook. Anyway. Not a crook. I'm not a crook. I can no Jesus. Anyway. In a moment when you spit all over everybody doing that at a party. Oh, someday. it's just going to be you here right now. So. I'll be in the splash zone over here with Shamu next to me. Anyway, um... This is not the no-spin zone. Good, because neither of us have been convicted of sexual harassment. You're so. right, and that guy's Ellie, a fucking asshole. He is. He remains an asshole. So you hear that, Bill? Fuck yourself. Anyway. That's why I said I'm glad we're not in that zone, because <laughs> fuck that guy. What is that going to be like, the no-spin zone? Is it like just purgatory for most people? 
I don't know. Let's just anyway. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's move on. You know? Anywho, uh, so at this point in time, Nixon, after that, when she's in high school, he gets offered a tuition grant to attend Harvard University. However, his brother's contraction of tuberculosis, Howard in this case, meant that he would not be able to do that. He was needed to run the family store. And instead, he just decided to attend the local college in Whittier in 1930. Richard was snubbed, and, uh, and here is kind of weird because this sort of, again, plays into his personality of like a, I'm a go-getter and sort of a, a guy and an outsider, even though politically he doesn't always fall under that. He's usually a moderate Republican. His personality here kind of comes out in a really weird way because apparently, according to what happened, was he was snubbed by local literary societies because back in the 30s, fraternities were all about reading books, you know? So, yeah. And apparently what happened was he created his own, like, fraternity called the... <laughs> created the Orthogonian Society. And at that point in time, he was actually finding time for a large number of extracurricular activities such as debating, as well as sports. Uh, he graduated summa cum laude with a Bachelor of Arts in History ah. in 1934. So, unfortunately... <laughs> I got a BS in history, and that's why I don't speak BS. Exactly. <laughs> you dealt with other people. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the lifestyle of a teacher. Anyway, um, so he basically, I kind of like that story about him basically creating his own society, because he's like, they're like, ah, no, we don't like you. And he goes, fuck it, I'll do it myself. <laughs> I'm going to start my own fraternity. <laughs> Okay, I'm not going to lie, somewhere between this, we're going to start listing over into, like, the Harrison Ford levels of growly shit, he says. Look <laughs> out below! <laughs> going to land my airplane on the 405 freeway! <laughs> I got I hope he's okay. Anyway, um, he, that was, like, years ago, but still. Anywho, uh, so he, at that point in time, with that... <laughs> Bachelor of Arts in History. <laughs> Basically, he then receives a full scholarship to attend Duke University School of Law, which was actually new and was seeking to attract top students by offering scholarships uh, at that point. Blue, blue Devil. Yeah. <laughs> we, sit there, we sit there and like laugh at it, but I'm wondering to myself, thinking about it in hindsight, are they really that proud anymore? <laughs> probably. Duke? Duke has a long lineage. Just because Richard Milhouse Nixon graduated from there does not mean that they're... Well, look at what I'm saying. Like, they're probably not, not totally unproud, but they're kind of like, yeah, you know, we're just focused on the front. I'm sure they're not proud that he graduated from there, but I'm sure there's plenty of other people that... Uh, right, anyway, know, I'm going to look up some notable graduates. I'll let you know. Just keep you going. You do that, yeah, anyway. So, um, after that uh, plan, he basically goes to Duke. He actually graduates third in his class in June of 1937, which I think his class was somewhere like in the hundreds range. I got the bronze medal. <laughs> Sugar. That one was intentionally like that. Anyway. It's going to stretch his face out. Anyway, um, following his graduation, uh, according to some new information, actually, Nixon initially hoped to join the FBI but received no response. And what actually happened was... Oh, God, that'd be horrifying. What actually happened was they literally responded to him and he just never picked up on it. Oh, like, no. apparently he had a bad mailing address or something, and all the letters for, hell yeah, come on, was, like, completely unanswered. So, anyway, <laughs> Nixon returned to California and was admitted to the California Bar in 1937, and later began practicing in Whittier oh, with no the law... Oh, shit. This is interesting, Jake. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> all right, hold on. Let me finish this point, and then I'll let you go. Okay. With the law firm Wingert and Bewley, where he had worked for commercial litigation for local petrol companies. So, uh... Ken Starr, the guy who ends up writing the report on Nixon. <laughs> no shit, a graduate of Duke Law School. Fuck yeah. 
Anyway. Anybody else? Uh, Jay Billis. Ooh. ESPN analyst. Jay Billis. <laughs> That's probably why he. Jambo. That's probably why he currently has the old mascot in like a crawl space in his house that he uses as a shrine. Oh boy. I just imagine most of his ESPN announcers are totally like head cases. Why? They I can't don't know. enjoy sports. I would have been an ESPN announcer. I'm not announcer. saying you can't enjoy sports, but would you enjoy sports all day in the same studio? Oh, dude, that'd be me. Talking. Easily. Okay. Well, all right. You call me a head case? Yes. Well, at least I'm not a moron. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's fair. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> All right, anyway, in 1938, he opened up his own branch, Wingert Muley, in La Habra, California. La Habra. I love California His names. names are great. I love them. All right, anyway, he at that point in time, he becomes married to Thelma Pat Ryan on June 21st, 1940, after no shit meeting two years earlier during a play of The Dark Tower, in which point he... Is everything in this man's life a fucking punchline? Apparently! <laughs> After which they honeymooned in Mexico, and the Nixons began their married life in Whittier and had two daughters, Trisha, who was born in 1946, and Julie, who was born in 1948, both of which I'm pretty sure are still alive. Cause shout out to them. They're probably never going to hear this podcast, but yeah. shout out to hey, you guys. guess what? Are you gals? Right? How's it going? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, how's Janet down the street? She doing okay? Anyway, you don't know. Don't give me that look. Don't give me that side eye, boy. No. Just please keep going. <laughs> Fuck, I was going to say, part of this is like intentionally throwing it off course. Part of it's like, we literally will just be like completely stupid. Anyway, in 1942, Nixon joined the ever illustrious and just the panty dropper of all early war uh, administration offices. The Office of Private Price Administration. Sweet. Hell yeah. Economic control. Getting all that poonanny. All right, anyway. Uh, he later joined the Navy as a... Oh, little... where do you work, Rick? Where did you... <laughs> Rick? Who the fuck is Rick? He's got by Rick at that time because he didn't want people to know. <laughs> Rick rhymes with dick. Hey, girl. I work for the Office of uh, Price Control down at the... Office of Price... <laughs> I work at the OPA. I'd love to hear that, like, a hit-up line from a modern, like, hey, girl... Would you want some of this? What do I want? I work at the OPA. What's that? The Office of Price Administration. Listen, 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 listen. Me and the bros are gonna go crush some brewskis and smash listen. some puss. Okay, okay. He's he's not fucking Kavanaugh. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say he's not Brad. No, he's not. He's he's not Kavanaugh. <laughs> How awesome just, would just it to, be? Just to, just to imagine him talking like. Oh, uh, hello, this is Richard Milhouse. He just Nixon. seems way too scared. I work for the Office of Price Control. And let me tell you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you. You had to keep a straight face and you're so it's, hard. Because to, to do that voice, I have to... It, it's hard to go on I don't have to, but it only sounds good when it's coming out of one corner of my mouth. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway... It sounds good coming out one corner of my mouth. That's how you kind of have to get to it. He kind of sounds like this. Anyway. He does, though. Listen to the recordings. They're out there. Anyway. Yeah, I've heard them before. I, that was more for the audience, but... Anyway. Uh, so he later joined the Navy as a lieutenant in support-slash-logistics roles for the Pacific Campaign, because he could... I work in support-slash-logistics roles. <laughs> That should, I that's that what you, you should do. That's what you should do if you meet somebody at, like, the building you work at, your current job. You're like, hey, babe, I work at support slash, I work at support slash logistics and 401k. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going to be 
thrown their numbers at you. Oh, anyway, anyway, I do not condone or advocate the throwing of any numbers at anybody or the dropping of any panties without consent. So, yeah, we're woke. We Neither of us advocated for that. No, neither did. And we just want to make sure that none of y'all out there at Radio Land pick that up and go, oh, shit, they must mean this. Uh, so, anyway... Uh, I also love the fact that in the midway through, he could have been a badass, and he's like, you know what I like to do? Paperwork. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I can I can respect that. Anyway, Some next people week. call me the best paper filer. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> he goes on all the way to the end of the war, uh, at which point in time he actually does sort of do, like, basic kind of combat roles where he's, like, in the general area of, like, them invading islands and shit like that, but he really doesn't... When the Japs came in... Okay, well, you can't I, say that word... <laughs> I threw my staple at him. <laughs> Take that, you son of a bitch! <laughs> That's like okay. There, okay. Like a side. That's tangent. logistical justice. I love this concept of a side tangent story that I heard years ago of the fact that a destroyer in World War Two. There's this. Okay, this is funny but stupid at the same time, and I want to see your reaction. That a uh, a destroyer out in the Pacific got like attacked by a Japanese submarine. Oh, they caught it on the surface, and they didn't have anything like to kill it with, so they started hurling like potatoes at it. I love <laughs> the it. Japanese thought they were grenades, so they fucking surrendered. <laughs> that was the end of it. Nah, you never give up. Yeah, never give up, never surrender, unless you get thrown at by like root vegetables. Although sometimes you definitely should surrender. Yeah, especially don't fly your plane into anybody's boat. Anywho, um, Nixon's political career proper. Yeah, because I had to sound like a tool during during writing this. Began in, I hate it when I reread this, and I'm like, proper. I like it when I'm, like, rereading, and I'm like, why the fuck did I say that? Because <laughs> I, like, in my mind, I'm like, this sounds so professional. I'm like, oh, shit, that's right, this is a podcast. <laughs> we don't have so to be a podcast, we're going to make dick jokes at least twice an episode. <laughs> hey, don't you forget about Stalin's curtain of steel. <laughs> anyway, so uh, if you want to hear that, go back to the Stalin episode and listen to that one. Anyway, uh, Nixon's political career begins in 1947, where he's elected to the House of Reps as after campaigning strongly as an anti-communist. So already he's sort of in like the Joseph McCarthy area because literally that when they do the House on Un-American Activities in like the late 40s, early 50s, he's there alongside. In fact, I think he we brought that up in the McCarthy episode was him like being there for like a massive espionage, like a real espionage oh, case, where he was like, "I'm looking at some tapes." <laughs> it's just like. Okay. I love recording tapes, and it'll never come back to bite me ever. <laughs> I burn my tapes, so I don't forget. Anyway. <laughs> He's burning them. He purposely saves them. I know, that was super weird. But, you know, just... Uh, anyway. anyway. <laughs> I shout out, we're laughing our asses off. We're trying to keep it together, and the fact that it's so hot in here, we're sweating, we're trying to be professional. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so, he... By 1952, Nixon had moved to the Senate and was later chosen by presidential candidate Eisenhower as his running mate for the Prez election. Uh, delivered his infamous Checkers speech in 1952. Uh, just a small thing on what the Checkers speech was, he basically was con- well, he was accused of taking $18,000 of donor money and using it for personal purposes. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, bit of an oopsies there. And basically how he expressed it was in his speech, he stated, if... Taking that money is... If stating that is the case, then my dog Checkers was a political expense. His, like... Yeah. So... I have nothing for that. Just yeah, I know. It's just let it sit. Just let it slide. It's okay. Anyway, uh, he was as vice president from 53 to 50... Or 1953 to 1961 for Eisenhower. And Nixon actually wasn't very close to the president, which is weird, because Eisenhower and him were Republicans, so I thought they would have gotten along real nice. 
But what it basically happened was that he yearned for a more active political role. And literally we get that, that after Eisenhower suffered a stroke about like for the later half of his presidential career, where he was effectively kind of like pro, I want to say what the word is. There is a specific term for that, where like the vice president becomes a president even though the president isn't dead. It's just sort of like temporary. Basically he became acting president. Basically, yeah. It's sort of like what happened with Woodrow Wilson's wife after Wilson had the stroke. Yeah. Like his wife was basically sort of like the president. But fun fact for all of you who didn't know that, we actually did have a women president, but nobody ever talks about it. Well, because they at that point in time, they probably went to every length to try to, to, try to hide that, that shit. Nobody knew. <laughs> and it's Woodrow still making And we're releasing the truth with a Woodward and Bernstein podcast. Whoa, slow down. <laughs> Let's not give ourselves well, Who's the deep throat in this situation? No. <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> I'm like, I was expecting more of like just a long pause with a yes. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, he, at that point in time, he is kind of looking to break out into the mainstream. And so he later secures the Republican nomination uh, for the, or sorry, yeah, no, he later secured the Republican nomination for president in the 1960 presidential election between him and Kennedy. Which was actually for the first time. I think John the, Fitzgerald Kennedy. What can we do for you? <laughs> Where's my fuck bunker? <laughs> Marilyn! <laughs> I, we, we plan to do the other things. What are they? I don't know. <laughs> That's such an easy accent for me to pull off as a Maryland accent. I'm like, Boston, but not with enough grit. It's like Boston, but with a slight debonair to it. <laughs> kind of, a, not a lot of debonair. I would ask you to quit moving this stool. Regu- a lot of regular Boston accent. Yeah, though. I know. He was real heavy. Uh, I'd, we'll I'd, definitely I'd, do an episode of him sometime. Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so um, he loses that debate with Kennedy and later loses... Okay, well, just add a little bit of context because I do know a lot about those debates. Yeah. Um, he doesn't lose all of the television. Well, he debates, doesn't know, but he loses but that one, like... The first one he loses, yeah. but then he comes back in the second one really hard. Yeah, he does, because um, I think he, he wasn't fully prepared for what he was going But then Kennedy essentially wins the third one, and that's what kind of just... Yeah, kind of sealed the deal. Yeah, yeah that was sort but of what were, I... Those were the first televised debates, I believe. Yeah, they were. And it was really... I wish there. I'd been there in that time period to be like, holy shit. Like, this, that was weird, because most people who'd ever seen a presidential debate... I imagine they had to see it in person, which made it, like, electing somebody super, super difficult. Or, at the very least, you could listen well, to it on the radio. That's why, like, you know, Kennedy's uh, charisma was, like, really made for TV. Yeah. Because he was easily seen as someone who was, was out there energetic. And he was very photogenic, and too. someone who's ready to, yeah, yeah, compared to someone old and wrinkly, like... <laughs> I love that you're bringing this up, because literally, I talk about... Because, okay, so, as a slight spoiler to our thing, when we get to the, the misconceptions... There were no, like, personal ones, like, with Hitler mm-hmm. or Napoleon, but I picked and choose, like, the Watergate and the 1960 debate ones just to just to kind of, like, they're as close to it as I could get, so you'll have to forgive me on that. So I get where it's making misconceptions. Yeah, yeah. but, well, yeah, yeah, I love that you're bringing this up because we talk about that later, and it's kind of cool. Like, it's interesting because when we bring I that know, up... I know, I know my shit. I know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> maybe you do and maybe you don't. We'll figure it out. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm calling you out. Only time will tell, my dude. Right here, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, so he ran, and like Lucas said, he lost the first one, came back hard in the second one, and then Kennedy won that third one, and most people at that point in time kind of said, Kennedy's probably more qualified. Um, according to what we knew, was it basically in that first one, he performed really poorly in front of the television cameras, because Kennedy basically seemed like really composed, 
And Nixon well, was, like, sweating. And, well, and what I've heard about that one is, you know, Kennedy, like, had his team put makeup and everything on, and he was TV-ready, where Nixon yeah. basically said, no, I don't want any makeup. And then, like, last second before, he's like, makeup's your pansies! Why don't you probably put on some makeup? And then, <laughs> I'll bring up my dog, Checkers. <laughs> TV cameras all love Checkers. <laughs> TV cameras love Checkers. <laughs> <laughs> But essentially, <laughs> he, looked, he looked bad in comparison to... Oh, no. I mean, Kennedy I had spent all that time getting ready for and the And he did, day. yeah. And, and then, then, in sort of a weird way, people sort of saw it as, like, a sign of, like, he can't stand up to, like, being asked Well, it's not... It's really not on, like, presidential debates now. If you recall, and God knows oh. we've seen a lot of them in our lifetime, it, literally, it, it, it's like that. It's like if you have a bad debate performance or you've seen sweating, people are like, oh, he can't handle pressure, we can't vote for him. See, yeah. And it, literally, the narrative does change with every debate. And, like, it's interesting because you see, like, the first instances of that of that back in these debates. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the thing, too, is, that, like, the narrative changes. And, and, two, you know, people start really basing a lot of their decisions on appearances. It, so it, they still have a lot of values going there, but more so they start looking at appearances. Like, okay, well, if he, he looks like he's currently stung by a murder hornet, the, what are those? Those don't exist in 1960, but... They do in Asia, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. And they exist here now. It's the Maybe. end we don't know. of the world, we don't know and it's copyright. Okay, but we don't know We don't know whether they're going to spread over the whole continent yet. So far, they've only been found in Washington. I think that's a sign. <laughs> a sign Grunge is coming back. <laughs> Grunge? Grunge is coming back. How does that even relate I'll let you figure it out. <laughs> no, no, there's no secondary. We were talking about the Illuminati, now we're just like moving into weird ass conspiracy theories. The murder hornets were brought on by Richard Nixon. <laughs> he's still alive, folks. Yeah, he's buried under fucking, like, what? The Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, no, wait, alive. no, that's Walt Disney. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway. Anywho, uh, so basically, they're the sweating and sort of the unsure answers sometimes people, it threw people off. But anyway, um, in 1962, after that, now that Kennedy was president, Nixon ran for governor of California unsuccessfully against what was uh, the incumbent, Pat Brown. And um, like a good loser, he says at his – at his um, – holy shit, I immediately just like almost had a stroke. Well, please don't do that. I know. The words were hard there for me. He literally states, and I quote, you won't have Dick Nixon to kick around anymore in his defeat speech after accusing the media of favoring his opponent. Oh. What I love about that is you won't have Dick Nixon to kick around anymore like a... Like a like pissed off teenage son who wants to leave. <laughs> See, I, I like to picture him saying that and like the most like passive aggressive you won't have Dick Nixon to, to kick, kick around, around anymore. He's <laughs> just like really like sad but also aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like I'll have to go back to the farm. <laughs> so um yeah, he he lost and took that really hard. And in fact, uh, according to that he stated, and I quote, this is the last losing speech I will make. I'm out of politics for good. Well, that's a fucking lie, because he's back in 1968, everybody. The best of times where we had Lyndon Johnson currently trying to keep the nation afloat while the world was semi on fire. I'm back, and I'm even more tricky. <laughs> Jesus. I'll stick it in you. Oh, no. Nixon, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Tricky's dick. Where will I go next? We spend the bottle. <laughs> I'm a tricky little bastard. That's what they told me. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's the FBI agent who, who ratted me out, the son of a bitch. <laughs> anyway, 
fuck, man. Uh, so anyway, he returns in 68, uh, clearly seeing an opening, because by 1968, uh, for those of you who may not know, Lyndon Johnson had become president after Kennedy's assassination in 63. Johnson, he was stuck in a really weird spot. Actually, not really weird. He was stuck in a really bad spot, because he had Vietnam, who, which was just spiraling out of control for him. And it's, I'd like, why Vietnam? <laughs> well, what are you talking about there? I'm going to be very careful now because I don't want you to cut my pants too low or go down around my bunghole. Go down around my bunghole. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, look up, look up LBJ. That's a great pants. phone call. For, for anybody out there who hasn't seen it, my, you don't God have bless. to, but my recommendation is to go out there God and look up bless LBJ. that man. Can, can I say the title? No one's going to be able to hear the title because you keep speaking over the title. <laughs> Please look up LBJ. Oh. <laughs> You better watch out. Dick Nixon's gonna come and punch you right in the kisser. <laughs> Look up LPJ Order's pants. That's my recommendation. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> so anyway, um, by that point in time, by 68, like, the whole of everybody in America was like, Johnson, you're gonna have to go. We don't like you. And Johnson kind of recognized and said, I will not seek, you know, your nomination for president. Me and my gigantically large penis is not coming back you know to what? the White House. That man, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> he's from Texas. What can I say? <laughs> he did talk about his penis a lot. He did, yeah. It's just, I, I would have been such a treat to be a fly on the wall in that White House conversation, talking about like Vietnam, and he mixes around and goes, "Got grab him by the balls and massage the shaft." And oh, I'm like, President Trump? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you know, you're right. Anyway. No, currently he's stuck underground in a bunker right now, trying to not. He only comes out for church photo shoots. And, and tear gassing uh, the people in front of the church, including the person who owns the church. <sighs> yeah. It's great. It's a great time to be alive. That's a tricky dick. <laughs> 1968. Um, so, yeah. So, Nixon saw that as an opportunity for him to become the president he got and sort of, like, swindled on in his mind before. And so, he actually wins that Republican Party nomination and defeats the Democratic candidate Hubert Humphrey. Uh, later becoming the 37th president of the United States, replacing Lyndon Johnson after an equally contentious and polarizing election campaign marked by protests and violence. So isn't isn't this the campaign where Robert F. Kennedy tries to run run against Nixon, but he gets and he shot. gets shot and killed? Yeah, and then literally the same year Martin Luther King Jr. gets killed. So a lot of like and too there like a rise. A lot of in, awful things happen in Yeah, and not on top of that, you had a rise in like protests against Vietnam War, the police were being very militant, which is not unlike kind of now. A lot of shit goes down in 1968. Oh yeah, it was a wicked year. And on top of that, you had like is fucking that- Governor Wallace from, was it Alabama? Who no, was like, yeah. I support segregation. And I'm like, we passed didn't the Civil say, Rights didn't Act. Didn't he say segregation today? Segregation yeah. now? Segregation, segregation now. Segregation tomorrow. Segregation forever. That's what it was. Yeah. And and I want to state fucking ass. I want to state to my the, okay. So as a teacher, yes, I swear. But as a teacher, I don't swear in the classroom. I showed my students a documentary that shows that, and the kids in the back of the room, God bless these students, booed him. This man had been dead for 15 years, and they booed him. He deserves a boo. Actually, no, I think he died. He deserves more than a boo, quite honestly. Luke's is up there, just like fuck you. <laughs> Had I been there at the time, man. Yeah, you would have just gone full, like, all the wall there, which I would have then has to kindly ask you to leave, because you would have scared the crap out of my kids. <laughs> anyway, um... I mean, I bet at the time, like, had I been when, when he was giving the Oh, speech, I thought you went in the classroom. Not, like, in your classroom. All right. You were screaming at a screen when a bunch of kids are in the room. <laughs> just, yeah. You know what? 
teaching makes you do crazy shit. Anyway. Anywho. Um, so, basically, in that, he wins. And what was really weird was that, actually, during the actual, like, primary, and then later when they were starting to talk about the nominations, there were literally fights. And people who were, like, news anchors for, like, CBS and, and NBC or whatever, which ones were there at the time, were literally getting hustled around by people down in the crowd. Oh, it was fucking strange. Like, they have, like, film of Walter Cronkite responding to the fact that a guy, like shoved around a cameraman and a reporter down on like the the main area it was like super weird because that's like that's like his regular anger of how angry cronkite could get ladies and gentlemen this is the war in vietnam (laughs) i am currently so pissed i'm (laughs) about and that's the way it is i'm about to bust a left testicle i'm sorry (laughs) okay besides Okay, we've been stuck on this one bullet for way too fucking long. A lot of dick and balls talking <laughs> on this episode. Well, he's called Tricky Dick. What do you expect, man? Oh, ma. I'll tell you what she should have Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, uh, Nixon... And by she, I mean my lovely wife. Okay. So, Nixon's Nixon's campaign, at basically, before he got elected, was this sort of, like, law and order or tough on crime sort of stance, where he's, like, talking about giving the hippies a haircut and sending them off on the draft. And in continuing the war in Vietnam, in fact, invading Cambodia, which is a big-ass mistake, because, yeah, when we're currently fighting a guerrilla war, what's the one thing you need but a third front? But, um... I know exactly how to fix the problem. <laughs> I'll start bombing the shit out of the jungle! It's like, no. If there's less jungle, there's less places to hide. He's <laughs> just become the bug guy. I mean, it's not all fine. A glass of sugar in it. <laughs> Is there really a difference between Nixon and the bug guy? <laughs> really? What did he really get down to? Maybe it? he was. Who knows? <laughs> Shit, man. He really and and God bless. That's our caricature of him. But he actually sounds pretty. God normal. bless Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> for playing the bug guy. Anyway. So his uh, his tough on crime stance basically means that he was planning on curbing violence in American cities because that point in time too where we talked about the assassinations you had huge race riots like big race riots yep like all across I mean there are numbers and they were also international too and so he kind of was like shit's getting out of control and I'm the only one who can fix it which is sending people to jail and all this other shit and so basically what he does here is he sort of touts this new leadership strategy for Vietnam and that and lends this sort of justification that he had remade himself even though he kind of didn't. <laughs> it, it was sort of a myth. <sighs> yeah. So uh, in 69, Nixon would deliver his famous silent majority speech wherein he sort of set the groundwork for his idea on America's future. And so he basically said the main name of that speech would be to call for national solidarity on the Vietnam War and gather support for his policies in order to blunt the strength of the anti-war movement and extend the fighting of Vietnam. It was sort of weird, though, because in the reality, too, he was talking, he was literally talking to the people and saying, like, I don't want this war, I want to end this war, but let's just start bombing the shit somewhere in the northwest of us. And then, you know, it was sort of like a... The way we end this war is by escalating this war. Why not send a nuke over there and fucking... Do- Take that, Khrushchev! He's not even there anymore. It's brazen at this point. Um, so uh, basically what happens then is sort of people started like looking at him like, oh shit, this guy might be able to actually get things done. Uh, in between then, you know, he starts to make policies. He still deals fairly harshly with student protests. Kent State Massacre, that's a big one. Though he wasn't directly involved, the people usually laid a lot of blame on him for sort of the way he was pronouncing how student protests should be handled. He did do some good things, and you know, he created the EPA, 
created yes, these. Yep. He did do a number of other, you know, diplomatic stuff. I'm not sure in this if he was in his presidency or post-presidency, but I know him as a person too. He would try to open up trade with China, which was pretty feckin' sketchy. China. China. I can't say the word right, but it doesn't matter because I remade the alphabet. There's only like three letters. Anyway. Yes, that was my impression of it. Get used to that. Uh, anyway, so uh, basically he was like pretty much at the, sort of like kind of the cusp of his presidency. But he got reelected in a landslide in 72, sort of showing that he was still liked and defeated George Governor George McGovern. It was sworn in on January 20th, 1973, and Nixon would announce. That it basically, this is where things start to go south. Oh, yeah, this is where shit hits the fan. Uh, and at that point in time, too, he stated he was announcing an agreement to end the Vietnam War on January 23rd, which, by this point in time, Vietnam is wrapping up at this point in mm-hmm. time. We have now basically abandoned Saigon, and we're just sort of trying to figure out what the fuck to do. We've been a lot of stuff over there. Well, yeah, I mean, um, when you are, like, watching videos of refugees trying to clamber into a helicopter and then watching them then have to push that helicopter off because there's not enough space... Like, yeah. yeah. Vietnam is not a good time. No, it's not. And uh, according to people who do, like, research, they like... Apparently, I watched a documentary that stated, like, people on both sides. Like, the Viet Cong and the Viet Minh who were, like... So, Viet Cong was, like, the North Viet Minh or the South and, like, the U.S. troops. And, like, they everybody fucking hated this. They were like, this sucks, man. There's got to be a better way to this. But the yeah. communist groups were like, we can't dare, like, say we're not going to fight. Because they will probably okay. kill our families. But, like, it's not just on the communist side. Because there are plenty of times where the U.S. definitely could have stopped. Oh, yeah, no, I'm saying it, it's, it's, an, it's an equal, like, both of them, though, hated this thing. It wasn't like they really liked Quick it. side note, just in the Vietnam War, while yeah. we're still here, because I feel uh-huh. like this is kind of integral to understanding the politics at the time. Yeah. So, in this case, uh, this actually kind of, in a weird way, relates a lot to what we were talking about last week, uh, and the week before, actually, we talked about the Cold War. Uh, this is the idea of proxy wars, really, basically, uh, because while we were technically fighting in Vietnam... It was not like we were fighting the Viet Cong. We were essentially fighting an ideology. Yeah. Which is exactly why that war could have never been won. One, no. Because we were fighting, we were fighting an idea, which is, and I'll say this, I'll say this, people, hot take incoming. Hot take, here we go. The wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, guess what? Pretty same much thing, the same. But yeah. with terrorism. Pretty much, yeah. In, in Islamic the, extremism yeah, is sort of the same Don't win fighting idea. a concept. Yeah. On top of which, we're fighting in their country in a... Okay, so, it's just a hot take from my end. For those of you who may or may not be history buffs or military buffs, invading Afghanistan as a mechanized war power don't fucking work. Russia tried it, we tried it, and you know, it didn't work, and Britain tried it too. So anyway, moving on. Turns out, you, you, you can't just tell people how to think. Yeah. You can try. You can try, but it never works. Yeah. You always piss people. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. So, that landslide was all good and well, and by 73, and he was planning on the end of the Vietnam War. And all of a sudden, there's, like, this blip on the radar. Before, actually, he actually was reelected. In June 17th of 1972, though, the death knell gets sounded. Because his political career is going to go in a fucking tailspin. Could it's going to hold... Hold up. Hold up now. You should hold now. You should never tell people how to think. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, and so, basically, what happened was, like... There was this arrest that happened of five burglars from the Democratic Party's National Committee office in the Watergate Hotel. Most people will know the name. The hotel doesn't stand anymore, I don't think, but... The water of what? I've never been. I'm sorry. The hotel? I, I've never been. What's a hotel? I don't know. I live in my car. I've never heard of hotels. <laughs> 
So anyway, the burglars of Cortisol, I actually like had to add a lot of details because a huge chunk of this is like completely like related to how he ends up like getting basically fucked, pretty much. He just Tricky Dick just bends over and has to take it. Okay. It's not really not quite like that, but. But in my mind, it's like this is the moment where the reality sets in. This is the moment where things really start coming to fruition, right? Yeah, here. this is when he really gets the, the fucking musky in the holder, and then it's just, yeah, you know, it's too big, it's too big, and you just gotta abandon that thing, you know. This is the moment where you just can't, they catch a fish so heavy, you just can't get so the freak out of the water. You got to get the freak. Jeepers, then you, just, then you just cut the line and you go cry over some beers, okay? Or are you going to blame somebody out there like the Upers for stealing your fish? Also, personal advice, never use alcohol to cover your feelings. Yeah, please don't do that. You're like, sad drinking is not good because it leads you to dark places. Anyway, back to the Watergate thing. Talking about sad drinking, I actually want to bring up a story midway through this because it actually really gets kind of sketchy for Nixon. But, um, so the burglars were all members of the Nixon administration, basically. They weren't like bigwigs, but they're sort of like... Aids and small people he kind of had like procured together. Didn't, didn't a lot of these guys have like former like rap sheets? Like they were. All- they not only had rap sheets. A lot of them were. At least a couple of them were former CIA agents. Oh, perfect. For real. So these guys knew what the fuck they were doing. But they, they, that's why but he they chose. Didn't, well, they didn't. But this is why he chose. <laughs> allegedly, them. they yeah, allegedly. <laughs> In reality, they're fucking stupid. <laughs> they really were. So anyway, um, the whole plan here was they were going to operate under Nixon's direct orders to wiretap the Democratic Committee's HQ in order to gain sort of an edge on the opposing party and photograph this sensitive political document. Who was the Democratic Party? And basically, yeah. They were like looking at like how can we gain an edge up so we can literally not through like basically it would be like sort of like a how can we cheat to it's basically like looking at the answers to the test before so you this, this all occurred before his re-election right yeah this, yeah this is this is when he's trying to get re-elected president yeah yep which if anybody would like to watch a movie based on this i have watched all the president's men which Good movie that's a fantastic movie yeah. and the book is great i haven't read the book yet but god i want to read it it's like sitting on my shelf just staring at me so well literally like woodward bernstein is staring at me both Bob, of them. Bob Woodward. Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein are staring at me on the cover. That's a little sketchy. Anyway. It is. So anyway, um, the initial cover-up. So they got arrested. And then what ended up happening was, like, they went to court and they said, like, what, are, what is your designation? And all of a sudden, all these guys were just sort of, like, let go. Sort of. Sure. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, they're like, well, this shit goes a little bit deeper than what we assume it is. And so the initial cover-ups were engaged... But they ultimately failed. Basically, they were like, well, if we can just try to cover our ass and pretend like we didn't know what happened, and that this was, like, just the work of some group of jerk-offs, and we didn't have anything, like, we'll be fine. And, and it didn't work. It didn't work, guys. Um, apparently, well, not apparently. This is what happened. They failed because there was a series of deep-level intelligence leaks from within, like, sort of the White House, even though nobody knows who it is. Deep Throat was another person that kind of is quoted or, or sort of like cited as a person who sort of helped them. So are you going to go farther than deep throat? Or are you not going to explain? I that? will. Because I have a side comment if you're not. I will. Okay. It's in a misconception, but yeah, just quick. Can I? You may. Go okay. Ahead. So just quick comments on deep throat. Deep throat's identity was hidden for a really long time and it didn't come out. So I believe like the late nineties slash early just, 2000s. Yeah. Just recently. Yeah. And that was because that man was really old. You found decided that he wanted to be known, essentially. Uh, but basically, you know, this is an extremely high-ranking officer in the CIA, I believe, right? Uh, he was an agent, from what I can tell. Well, he's an extremely high-ranking agent. Yeah, he was. This man he, was he almost, knew what was going on. He was on. almost the head of the CIA. 
pretty much. No, he literally, Jake, there were times where he, he got passed up. He could have been the head of the CIA. So this man had access to extremely high I like you, okay, now, no offense, I like that you posed it to me as a question and then decided to tell me how I was wrong. <laughs> was Dude, he, was wrong. he like the head of the well, CIA? I, was, I think he was. No, fuck you, he was. I, I, was, I was expecting you to confirm, but he didn't No, confirm. no, okay. So, I panicked. <laughs> I, okay, no offense, I, I had no so sources to back up whether he was, yeah, but it's entirely I, possible. I just... I just happened to, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. last week or a week before that, before even we were doing this topic, I ended up watching, or watching like, a podcast where they took a, like, a deep dive into Mark Felt. Oh, yeah. So that's why I do that. But anyway. So anyway, yeah. So, um, so deep, deep level intelligence leaks, and that would piss Nixon off, because prior to that, too, they had already dealt with the Pentagon Papers problem, which basically stated, like, the whole thing of the war in Vietnam was pretty much just a sham. Well, Jay, Jay, Jay Edgar Hoover was pretty pissed, too. Well, he was pissed, yeah. And, and Nixon was like, you better keep these fucking reporters away. And it did not work. Sitting there, steaming in one of his dresses at home. Steaming in one of his dresses. He did. Looking at homosexuals to put in jail. Well, he did wear dresses. He did. He did. <laughs> he, he himself may have had a, a pretty freaky relationship with somebody. Anyway, um, and so... Another the, guy we can do, anyway. Anyway, <laughs> the intelligence leak started occurring, and all of a sudden they reached the Washington Post. Specifically, the war reporters Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein. Uh, failing to keep control of the situation, Nixon, uh, again, I'm paraphrasing, because there's a lot of shit that goes on, but it's too much to fit into one podcast. But basically what happens here is that this took the period of years. Okay. This took a long time. It Please. wasn't just, like, immediate. It would take, like, months and years for this sort of stuff to happen. Okay, a quick side note. Yeah. Actually, really interesting, Bob Woodward is the one who knew, Bob Woodward knew Mark Felt before this all happened. Yeah, like, he, he met He'd actually met him, him, like... Well, yeah, but he had actually... But before, like, even this happened, like, yeah. he, had, he had just met Mark Felt randomly outside of, like, college one day. Yeah. And he chatted this man up. And, and he remembered who he was, and then when all stuff started going on, he remembered he had a connection. He literally reached out to him. Yeah. Yeah. And Carl Bernstein didn't know who Mark Felt... Or who Deep Throat was. Yeah. Literally all the way up until when he was, like... When it was, like, released. Yeah. Bob, Bob Woodward and Mark Felt were, like, the only two who knew... Yeah. So, yeah. It was interesting time. Yeah, it was. You know, it's sort of like this concept of, like, g- corrupt government basically being sort of shown and the sort of high-risk issues of being a journalist, you know, stuff like that, which I really like and, I, like, really engage with. But, um... For anyone who argues we don't need the media, this is a direct example of why we do need Why we media. do need it. We need an unbiased media. Okay, we don't need the media, but we definitely benefit from having it. Yeah. So, uh, basically here, what happened was that in failing to keep control of the situation by this point in time, between 1973 and 1974, Nixon executes what is known as the Saturday Night Massacre. Now, it doesn't mean he killed anybody. He didn't. That didn't happen. But, that's what I used to call Saturday nights with me and my wife. <laughs> we would go my down. dog checkers would watch. <laughs> We'd go down to the bedroom and I'd say, honey... Are you ready for the Saturday Night Massacre? Are you ready for the bombing of Cambodia? <laughs> no. I don't know what that means. <laughs> and then I'd have her put on a military uniform and we would... <laughs> I'd have her put on a flag of North Vietnam. <laughs> and I'd say, I'm going to invade your jungle. <laughs> God. Oh, that's actually bad. <laughs> anyway. anyway. So uh, the Saturday Night Massacre happens. And basically what happened here was that the president basically slashed the acting attorney general... Elliot Richardson and numerous other Justice Department members and, and people within his White House. Because when you want to throw suspicion off you doing something wrong, what you, you do? Shit fire people. everybody. That doesn't look suspicious. Fire at everybody, all. and then start thinking about firing the people who committed the crime. <laughs> like God. that won't piss anybody off. Yeah, but the, okay, again, 
But, like, the vets are directly conjure up suspicion on him. In general, I know. It's not a smart move. No. So, yeah, and and on top of which we have the tapes surfacing that talk literally about him, like, talking about, like, hiding this thing and, like, trying not to deal with it. And 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 here's where... You have consistent leaks from Deep Throat to to the press. Yeah. And then, sort of on the side, while this was going on, as this shit was starting to ramp up and is really starting to put a lot of pressure on him, Here's a really weird thing that happened that kind of was a little scary, was that midway through his, like, administration time, that time period, he was, like, starting to drink because it was bothering him, obviously. Mm-hmm. And what happened was apparently there was a, there's a crisis over in the Middle East where the Russians, like, sent some Navy vessels through an area that kind of provoked some, like, sort of hot-button problem. And he was drunk at the time when we could have gone to war with the Soviet Union. Oh, it was lit. It wasn't. But the fact is, we almost could have died. If we get a chance to do a podcast on a specific historic event, I want to do the Able Archer exercise because that is a fucking wild time. We can consider that for a future podcast. It will. And it will make you scared. Anyway. Anywho. So, um, yeah, from 73 to 74, Nixon standing as president was not doing well. And it sort of retained some support in the United States because a lot of people between then and, like, when he actually was, like, basically sort of like when he resigned was like I don't think it's really a problem until like like actually started to become a serious issue until it was like hey this is a big problem yeah and then people started to actually believe it. um on top of that you had a looming impeachment but the house from the house and then he resigned in August of 74 following his resignation he did devote himself to rehabilitating his public reputation he did get pardoned by uh Ford which was a bit of a no-no but you know people actually got kind of pissed at him about that and then he actually authored a number of books, and he was traveling around. So he was trying to sort of do, like, diplomatic stuff. Um, move forward to 1994 and April 18th, he did suffer a severe stroke resulting from a blood clot stemming from atrial fibrillation. And he slipped into a deep coma, and then he would pass a few days later. He lived a pretty long life. Though. He did. For 94? That's like shit. I thought he would have been dead. Like Johnson, I thought, like, Johnson was dead by, like, 72 or yeah, something well, like that. He but, died fairly early. Johnson, like... He clearly did not live a healthy life. No, he didn't, no. <laughs> he was out there probably drinking constantly, smoking cigars. Like, Johnson's a good old boy. Yeah, he was. Not in a racist way, as far as I know. No, like a good old boy. So, anyway, we got to move forward life. because my computer is currently on its way going to the grave. Perfect. Conceptions? Yeah, misconceptions. misconceptions. So, let's start with number one misconception. This comes from Purdue and also from the, uh, the Washington Post. Wait. So, let's start with number one. During the 1960 presidential election, Nixon was too old and sickly. That's why a lot of people didn't vote for him. So the myth that the television enhanced Kennedy's youthful and charismatic appearance might be slightly true. It was not totally true. Many brought the misconception that Nixon was too old and tired and was thus not a good candidate for president. The reality was that both candidates are actually healthy and pretty young. I think we did a pretty good job of describing that why that was. Yeah, we the did. Makeup and stuff. Yeah, and, and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically the makeup part. And, and there's sort of a reason though why he did look a little sickly. So when you stated it, it wasn't entirely false. Nixon was in fact pretty athletic, so he wasn't like he was some old feeble man. However, there was some truth to the myth because Nixon was known to have a 5 o'clock shadow by mid-afternoon. Yep, I heard about that. So he ran out there looking like he was half drunk and ready to roll. (laughs) That's not a good look. And he also did not translate well to the viewers. Additionally, he was dealing with a knee infection that took steroid cream, and that gave him sort of like a sickly appearance. 
So, you know, the the origins of that myth just came from interpretation. And people just, like, spread it and said, hey, we're just too fucking old. We can't vote for him. And it was just well, like... Well, a lot of, like, a lot of misconceptions, there's some truth to this. There is some truth, but not, most it's people... It's not the whole truth. Yes. Uh, number two, Nixon could have quieted the Watergate scandal by firing employees. I love this one. In a recent New Yorker article, Nixon biographer Even Thomas stated that there were any number of steps that could have made Watergate go away. Thompson argued that Nixon could have cleaned house and fired people. The reality was that Nixon, if he had attempted to do that, it would have made things look bad. Well, yeah, at this point, like, at the, by the point he would have done that, he already had people, like, investigating him. So you have Woodward and Bernstein and, and Deep Throat, like... That would have just made it even more obvious. Yeah. And, and it would like, and you what? have to imagine that piss a lot more people off and make a lot more people want to talk. Oh like, yeah, hell yeah. That's literally what it brings up. Is like, if you did that, you would have pissed everybody off, and that would have given them an incentive to rat on you. Yeah, the whole story comes up sooner than. Basically, this was sort of the concept of like, it would have been better if sort of misconception, like a fat guy at the gym who's like 200 pounds. Like, was, you know what you gotta do? I'm like, I'm not gonna take any advice from your fatter ass. That's not gonna happen. It would have worked if the burglars would have been such dipshits. <laughs> Pretty much. Is that Put some tape over the door. Is that what your misconceptions? I really hope it is. What? Do you explain? Do you explain how bad that was? Is that one of your misconceptions? One of the misconceptions that they were smart. No, like, of like how the burglary, like how they actually tried to do the burglary. Do you... I, I didn't. But let me get through these quick, and then we can kind of okay. get back to that. All right, number three. Most people agreed with Kennedy's viewpoint in the 60s, in the 1960 presidential election. Even today, contemporary historians and I like to say everyday morons, <laughs> just because that's my general way of looking at it. Yeah, they <laughs> believe that during the 1960 presidential debate, the majority of American voters voted for Kennedy because he had a finger on the pulse of the American opinion, and that Nixon was sort of like his outdated man, which and it kind of led to his failure to win. The reality is that Kennedy and Nixon actually shared a lot of the same views. Yep. Did it. Uh, Nixon was a moderate Republican and Kennedy was a moderate Democrat, so they weren't too far right or left for each other, and the debate itself wasn't really contentious, not like most common ones. Uh, additionally, both candidates did share what was known as the like, Cold War consensus on domestic and foreign policy issues. So the origins of this came from people just sort of, again, drawing the conclusion that votes equals being in touch with the American society. Well, the interesting thing to harken back on to remember what happened, what we learned from the, the McCarthy episode is that <laughs> but McCarthy and the Kennedys were very close. Yeah. So anybody who thinks that JFK is like this extremely liberal, like, he's not. No, and, and he was very, like, if we're thinking of extremely liberal, like, he was extremely, like, I don't want to touch civil rights. Johnson would be the one who would, like, fuck it, let's do that grand society shit. Let's go. And that's why I liked him, kind of as a president. I like Kennedy. But I like Johnson more, because Johnson, Johnson had the balls to take it and go. walked in the boardroom, threw his dick on the table, and said, <laughs> we're doing civil rights, damn it. Big Texas out and just slaps it. It's like, like that, and slaps it down. <laughs> so, yeah. I brought up my Johnson. <laughs> Welcome to my domain. All right, anyway. By the way, please, no one out there, please don't go and slap your dick on tables in front of people. If you do, that's on you. We won't be held liable. Precisely. Anyway. Anyway, uh, I only have two more here, so then we can kind of get back to what you're doing. Number four, Watergate was considered politics as usual, and Nixon just got caught. The assumption here is that politics has always been corrupt, and that may be truthful. People are breaking into hotels, man, all the time, man. All the time, man. And a lot of people would be like, there is some truth to that, right? Especially if we're talking like old politics, like early 1800s, or late 1800s, 1900s politics. Like, teapot dome scandal, shit like that. Well, and the politics have always been corrupt to some extent. But not totally like this. But, like, usually it's not things that are gonna completely swing, like, elections and shit. Oh, usually yeah, hell yeah. Like, 
Minor stuff. V- stuff on the margins. Like, Pretty much like if you were to do something like with lobbyists, you know, like that's considered to be kind of corruption, but not. I mean, it's corrupt, it's a gray but area. you're not really gaining. You're gaining personal benefits. You're not like. It's a whole yeah. different topic, but yeah, 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 exactly. So, and basically, he was basically stating that the reality, or the, like everyone is corrupt, and this shit happened all the time, and there were reasons for us to prove it, and Nixon just got caught. And like, this is a particularly like widely held belief. Do these people con- believe in snake, snake people. Um, somewhat. Illuminati. <laughs> a lot of them are fairly conservative thinkers. But, uh, like Alex Jones? Kind of. And the freaking frogs did it! Apparently, yeah. Uh, except that man now has. Your a, world is corrupt! <laughs> a lot of shit's going on with his life. Um, so. Oh, you, basically, you, it was really. His lifestyle wasn't sustainable? <laughs> no. Hell no. <laughs> tell you about how the gays are coming into the military and the government, but here, let me talk me, about some supplement pills. It's like, what the fuck? Telling me his non accredited doctor wasn't a good idea? Yeah, no. Hell no, it wasn't. <laughs> Anyway. Okay, the president has a non-accredited doctor. Oh, gosh. Anyway. So, yeah, basically here, the idea was that, like, many at the time and now, was the idea that what Nixon did wasn't really new. That other presidents and politicians had done corrupt things, and Nixon was just plain unlucky. In fact, if there's any tilt to this, here you go. Conservative journalist Victor Lasky, a great last name, uh, published a dossier that stated that there were countless Democratic politicians and presidents that were just as guilty of political espionage, FDR and Johnson. Basically, sort of cites these like, well, F- hold up now, way there, young blood. He basically cites like two specific examples of like FDR covering up like a just a, like what was basically like a sort of like political espionage do going into like the 19 oh Christ was it 1941 or 1942? I, I, that, that one threw me off because I, I didn't even really pay any credence to the shit this guy was talking about because it was completely just all like alleged. None of it was real. But basically, that that sort of like it's a spoiler though, is that this was basically just bullshit peddling from a Republican with a Republican lilt. This was it, pretty much. And they were stating that the evidence against FDR and Johnson is accusatory, whereas Nixon's felonious behavior was proven through facts, which is the word that Republicans rarely use. Well, okay, yes, but like, <laughs> thank you for agreeing with me. But, I thought you would have, in writing that, I thought you would have said, well. No, okay, but the interesting thing here is that, like, going back to what we said, there were, there is evidence of like corruption, like, yeah, outside of this, like, so like not all the we're not saying that there isn't corruption because if you look back at like JFK's elections, yeah, there's significant proof that his father, literally Joseph Kennedy, yeah, senior, literally <laughs> went so far as like I think it was specifically Illinois and one other state where like it's proven that they've had they literally like had dead people vote and like worked the voting register. Oh yeah, they so used that, to do that all so the time. That, so that he won those states. So, like, but, like, but, but at the same time, like, there's proof that Kennedy probably still would have won the election yeah. without that. So that, that goes back to the, its exact point of that, country, the, of, of that is corruption was there, but it didn't really swing things as much as people like to think that it did. Or, or attempt to swing things like this. Right. Because I don't know if he would have won in rather – I mean, apparently it was a landslide, so people liked him. But the fact it was the act that got him caught. That was the shit that got him in trouble. Yep. So, um – What's your last one? We're almost there. Hold up. There is actually relating to Kennedy's. This is a really, this is a wild one. So strap in, bud, because this is about to get crazy. Other evidence actually suggests that, given the fact that they said that FDR and Johnson were just as guilty, there is evidence to suggest that Nixon's attempted espionage did go far beyond Watergate. 
Because apparently here, before Watergate, he had a huge contempt for Kennedy leading him, or basically leading him in the election and winning. And so what he did was he thought this process up of like, how can I incriminate Kennedy in a Watergate style kind of way? Like, how can I make Kennedy look like a bad guy? And he creates this like bullshit wrongdoing because apparently what he was planning on doing was having a break-in at the Brookings Institute where the there the Democratic like party had a committee headquarters there and basically stated that uh, his plan was to implicate Kennedy in some kind of wrongdoing that ended up in him attempting literally like they could and they tried and they failed so many times that Nixon just got frustrated and said fuck it let's just make up some fake phone calls see I I don't I don't believe that one personally that doesn't seem that doesn't seem logical. Yeah, but it does sound like him, doesn't it? Okay, but here's the thing. Like, I get it, but, like, it doesn't fit with the narrative. Like, that's... At that point in time, like, he... He, he had not even lost the first time yet in, like, a big election. Exactly, so that's so what I'm saying. He wouldn't, this have, was, he wouldn't be that desperate, I don't think. Like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. That's what I'm saying. Like, it was just sort of something that caught the eye. Whether or not it... Because it had been cited by researchers. That you had to read the Nixon's ghost. I don't think you did that. <laughs> fucking a medium there? What the hell? I'm summoning him. <laughs> summoning him. So basically, how, as like I said, it gets wild. Yeah, anyway. That's why it failed. Like, there was just all a plan. It never got executed. But the concept was that somehow, some way, he was going to implicate Kennedy in the assassination of South Vietnamese President Nyo Dinh Diem. I shit you not. No, no. Jeff, that, no. I don't want to talk about this anymore because there's no way that that happened. I don't And there's no way that this man thought that that was going to work. He did. No, for real, he did try to organize a break-in at the Brookings Institute. That was something he tried to do. They were going to wiretap and it failed. That was what they were planning on doing. And... Like, whether or not it was just the fact that that sensationalism is beyond me. Because I looked at multiple different sources that said that that was something he planned on doing. The assassination of Diem as a storyline came up at least three times. Do not know if they're just bullshit peddling, but I had to make a note of it. The origins of this lie do come from a lot of Nixon apologies. The basic, like, the Democrats did it just as bad as he did. That comes from a lot of Nixon apologists who sort of just, like, tried to wave some sort of distraction to pull attention away from, like, the fact that he did something wrong. Okay. Okay, number five. Are All you right. good? Are you triggered? I'm just, I, I don't you, you got a little triggered, and I'm kind of concerned. No, I'm fine. There's no way! Just, it's real! <laughs> it's just, like, angry. The heat's getting to you. You're gonna, like, <laughs> I'm gonna end up dead on your sidewalk. No, you're not! I don't what know. Yes, you do know I'd never do that. <laughs> you should fucking know that. <laughs> I like the, like, silence. Like, you're trying to contemplate yeah, whatever. You're smiling at me, so you know you, you, you're, just, you're just trying to trigger I'm me. I'm bullshitting, yeah. yeah. I know. Anyway, number five. This <laughs> one's getting piss you off so bad. Oh, what is it? Nixon. Okay, Deep Throat was actually pivotal to Nixon's downfall. That is the misconception. Now, hear me out. This is not as crazy. I would love to hear... Yeah, let's go! No. Shut the fuck up so I can say it. <laughs> Alright, multitudes of people who are familiar with the Watergate scandal attribute Nixon's ultimate removal to the actions of an individual nicknamed Deep Throat and the information that he possessed. The man named Deep Throat, as we already stated, was in fact FBI agent Mark Feltz, who organized secret and high-risk meetings with the Washington Post journalist Bob Woodward about what was occurring within the White House. In reality, Feltz worked with Woodward was 
pretty critical, but not as critical to taking him down. Basically, he was sort of like giving them insight to what was going on inside the agency. What not within the White House, because he was not a White House insider. What they were looking for would have been like proof from a source within the White House. So a lot of people thought like Deep Throat was this like mysterious dude who came from the White House. And he was like, hey, some deep shit's going on and we got to like... Well, no, but... Okay. Wait, wait. I know you know better. Just wait. Take a breath. Take your finger out of my face, please. Chill out. <laughs> and basically, they were, like, saying that he was the one person solely responsible. That That's sort of the misconception. Okay. He was the pivotal person, right? There was nobody else. Without Deep Throat, it wouldn't have happened. And basically, here what happened was it felt... Was feeding Woodward information that was inside the agency. But a lot of times, from the two of them in their book, they actually stated that they this was information later that they realized they had already deduced. It was just a confirmation of what they were already assuming, right? You could deduce it, but you'd need to have some hard evidence. Otherwise, people would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, they said that within it, you know, obviously because he was not an insider, he did not know the inner workings of the scandal and was in turn feeding Woodward that information. And, in fact, Carl Bernstein himself stated in the book All the President's Men that they were surprised at the mystique that developed around Felt because he largely confirmed information that they had already gotten from other sources. Can I respond now? Yes. Okay, here's the deal, though. If you can't confirm any of that information, then it doesn't matter what they think they have, because if you don't have anyone confirming any of the details, then you can deduce whatever the fuck you want, and no exactly one will ever said, believe yeah. it. Which is why I disagree with that. I think he's still pivotal, because it doesn't really matter if you deduce that information if you don't have anyone to confirm it. Right. And I don't know that Watergate happens in nearly the same way if you don't have someone confirming yeah, right. that information. Yeah, right. And the fact is, too, that... And do you even get those stories printed? Because I don't think the editor of the Washington Post is going to publish any of that no. stuff if you don't have any hard evidence. So, like, what happens with Watergate if you don't have anyone, any hard evidence? Yeah. Like... So, like, I disagree with the the notion that he's not pivotal. I think, and I agree with you on that point. So this this was coming from the Washington Post itself, right. literally. Like, that was one of the misconceptions they had listed. But the fact is, I think I agree with you on that point, that he was extremely important, because I brought up, like, is any good historian knows, like, even as a historian or a journalist, or anybody who does any sort of, like, nonfiction writing, you have to have facts to back up an assertion. And Otherwise, Nixon, people will basically state that you are just... Just pissing into the wind. Well, with yeah, and first. Nixon was... We talked about it. Nixon was lucky. He wanted a landslide. Yeah. You have to come at him with hard evidence if you yeah. want to actually get it. Well, you don't have to, but you really should. Because yeah. if you don't bring hard evidence, like, there's a fat chance no one's going to fucking believe you. No. And I think what pretty much what, what I would say is it was maybe the intention, because obviously this probably was from somebody's opinion. It what? Makes... Hold up now. Sorry. Go was ahead. the fact that, you know, when they say he wasn't pivotal, like, I... I think he was pivotal, but two, he was pivotal with Woodward and Bernstein and a number of other people who were working within the FBI, people who, I mean, they had to have somebody leaking from the White House. That shit all together made it pivotal, right? right? Without him making it, it would have made their jobs difficult, really difficult. Because Potentially it wouldn't have happened. Pretty much. I mean, that would have been the idea. And that's, that's the point that I want to make. Not shitting on the Washington Post here. But I can definitely see how the Washington Post might want to upplay the, the journalist Yeah, connection. see, that's why I said this seems to speak a little bit It might be a little, a little bit biased. Bit biased. <laughs> oh, Just the, the journalist had already deduced all this information. <laughs> they knew exactly what was going on. It's like, oh, did they? Actually, and I watched the movie, and, and from what I know from like the history, like 
there was a huge like nobody believed these guys. Woodward Bernstein, who took such so much like you gotta fucking believe me, but otherwise they were like no, because. Any like the, the editor or the guy with the publisher exactly. or whoever ran the Washington Post would be like, fucking what? Yeah. You know what kind of shitstorm they could put us into? Like they yeah. had to be taking yeah, that risk. Basically like saying, like, you know, I really hope this is hard evidence or else we're not gonna comment because Oh, and on top of which too, you could like completely destroy your credibility oh, yeah. if you were peddling exactly. bullshit. Yep. So after triggering you so hard with that second to last one which, after this podcast, I shit you not, I'm going to find evidence so I can prove to you that he did try. You got me I quotes just, there, kiddo? I just don't care because it didn't work. <laughs> oh, I care because you calling me kind of a liar. I'm not calling you a liar. It's not calling you a truther. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That's exactly why I'm going to be telling Drink you the truth. Josh. Anyway. Fuck off. Classic. <laughs> I got some Nixon quotes. Let me break up my Nixon voice again. Oh. <clears throat> Defeat does not finish a man. Quit does. A man is not finished when he's defeated. He's finished when he quits. <laughs> he quit so many times. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm out. <laughs> he said he's going to quit politics. He said he said you quit politics twice. Twice. <laughs> That's bullshit. I got more. Oh, wait, it gets better. Now you're triggering me. <laughs> you lie. Once you get into this great stream of history, you can't get out. That, that could be like our fucking, um, that could be a quote we use as our tagline. <laughs> it could. I like that. I have impeached myself by resigning. <laughs> no way. That's not real. He Bullshit. He said that. When, where, and how? I don't know. I, Brady quote. It's a pretty trusted website. Nah. You can say it about any website. You gonna make me prove to you that he said that? Hell yeah, I'm gonna make you prove to me. I can see clearly now the rain has gone. Just kidding. <laughs> I was gonna say, that's gotta be bullshit. But the first line is, I can see clearly now that I was wrong in acting more decisively and more... I was wrong... Sorry. I was wrong in not acting more decisively and more forthrightly in dealing with Watergate. How would you have acted decisively? How, I would have fired the bastards. Oh, literally, like that literally goes back to what we were talking about. He was, like know. firing everybody. Yeah. Like, oh my well, God. It, we didn't say Nixon was the brightest man out there. Oh, clearly not. I can take caught. it. I can take it. The tougher it gets, the cooler I get. All right, Dad. <laughs> I'm cool, son. Right, and he didn't even have any sons, did he? he no, he had daughters. I'm cool, ladies. <laughs> he was adrift in the estrogen ocean. People have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Oh, well, that's... I earned everything I've got. That solves it, people. Let's go home. We got him. Uh, all right. So the last one, this one I'm not going to read it in an accent because it's actually kind of a good quote. Mm-hmm. I I decided to actually... Th- I'm not going to pepper out anything good that he said. Okay. So he probably deserves a good one. If you, don't want, if you want to make beautiful music, you must play the black and the white notes together. So that that one's a good one. That's actually a racial that metaphor. But that's that's unity of race. Yeah, that's it's not unity like of race. oh, you're fucking hippies. No, 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 that that's a good quote. That's yeah, a unity like of race quote. So, uh, okay, can we? Can I say something before we end this? Yeah. What do you All want right. to say? I want to bring up a thing that I found out. I watched CNN's The Sixties, and their first episode they talked about television. All of their series do that, and um, in the first one they talked about having Nixon as a presidential candidate on like a goofy ass television show. Which was like, oh god, what the fuck was it? Uh, it wasn't the Smothers Brothers, but it was like some kind of like 
crazy ass sort of mod 60s television show it was it was sort of like a hollywood squares or whose line is it anyway it basically within that same concept in, in it their their main like phrase they always uttered was sock it to me oh, God. Uh, okay now it's supposed to be some sort of like sexual context i don't know it could be taken any which way he fucking says it in the show <laughs> I shit you not. I will find a video for you after this to show you. It's real. It's fucking real. This man is just, he's an enigma. Wrapped in bacon. I'll say it. I've had enough of Tricky Dick. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> We're just getting started. Uh, anyway. Uh, so anyway, uh, just a quick note about programming for next week. We're going to have two episodes coming at you. One of our episodes is going to be a little bit different than normal. Obviously, the tone will be a little different when you hear what the topic is. Uh, but but given current racial times or current times with the racial situation out there, uh, we're gonna put out an episode and it's not gonna be very opinionated, really not opinionated at all. I'm just gonna give you kind of some facts about about Malcolm X versus Martin Luther King Jr. and talk about peaceful versus non-peaceful protests. Uh, we're not gonna take any opinions out there. We're not looking to spark anything. We're just gonna give some historical context. That's the goal. Yeah. Uh, then our second episode of the week, uh, you can look for that one on Thursday. The the uh, the uh, retrospective one we're looking to release on Tuesday. On Thursday, you can look for, uh, again, these dates are tentative, but on Thursday, you can look for an, an episode that can be more normal. Uh, it's going to be on the Epic of Gilgamesh. Uh, you which better come ready to I roll will up. be doing the most of the research in the bulk of that one. better. And Jake will be doing most of the research uh, on the uh, civil rights stuff. I'll be stuff. doing all of the research. All of the research on the civil rights stuff. I will be doing all of the research on uh, the Gilgamesh stuff. Uh, but in the future, uh, we Next week, we're going to announce to you, uh, we have a couple ideas for some mini-series we're going to go. Uh, and from now on, for the rest of the summer, we're going to be twice a week. That's the goal. Yeah. So uh, look for us twice a week. All right, up the content. Hopefully, you're all ready for that. Hopefully, you're all happy about that. Uh, but anyway, stay uh, stay healthy. safe out there, everybody. Have yourself a great rest of your week and weekend. All right. Bye.